Thanks for listening to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. How's it going, Greg? It's going pretty darn good, Russ. I'm having a good day. Pretty darn good. So. Yes, pretty darn good. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, what's going on? Well, you know, most of our listeners know, um, you know, we do a pickleball podcast, right? Third shot right. podcast, mm -hmm. doing pickleball, you know, you know, really getting out there now is becoming more and more popular. And guess what happened? What's that? A, a podcast, a pickleball podcast out of the UK reached out to us oh, and nice. said, hey, we'd love to interview you about, you know, what's the pickleball scene like in the US and it was the first time that, you know, from the pickleball side, we've ever been on that side of the mic where we got interviewed to talk about right. it. Yeah, which is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, you and Bridgie, so Bridgie's the, the co-host on the show, you've talked to so many different people now. There's been, what, 50-ish, 52-ish shows, yeah. something like that. By the time this episode airs, maybe there's even more, I don't know. But yeah. um, <laughs> There's been a there's been a lot of shows you've talked with a lot of different people about the paddles about everything uh, the the you know the apparel that people are wearing like um, people that are opening up pickleball locations so I would say uh, at this point based on all the research you, you guys both of you are uh, like probably two of the people in the United States to talk to only because <laughs> you have such a depth of knowledge in all these different areas. It's uh, been, and, it's been know. great. It's been really fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you even commented that, you know, you're not the most avid pickleball player, but every time, you know, you're on the show and you're listening to the interviews, the guests and stuff like that, you're learning something, you're hearing their story. Yeah, exactly. They're telling their, you know, what, what, how they got into the game, how they started their business or what have you. And you're learning something from every show. Totally, totally. And you're and, not like a, a crazy pickleball addict yeah, like it's, most it's, of us. It's making are. me want to go play though. So that's the that's the cool thing about it. Like every time we do it, it's like, man, I wish we were recording this earlier so that I could go out and actually. Play. Yeah. Because it's yeah. fun when you you know like it. it I don't know. It, it's there's something about it that um, I guess actually you know what it is. You know you watch food TV, mm -hmm. and like all of a sudden you're hungry. Yeah. It's the same way with the pickleball show. So if you don't want to play pickleball. And don't listen to the show. But if you are interested about it, what everybody's talking about about pickleball, then you got to go check out the show because it's going to get you even more excited about it's it. It's going to get you more excited. And, though, and to be honest with you, what the people over the, the show that we were on is called Everything But the Kitchen Dink. And it's <laughs> out of the UK. Uh, dink is a you know common pickleball term. And what they said, what they found most interesting was how Bridgie and I got started doing the podcast, why we got started doing the podcast. And we told the story that, you know, we got cast in a reality television show about mm -hmm. pickleball. And right. that is a unique story that nobody else really has, or, you know, <laughs> totally. at least no podcaster really has. Right. And they were just blown away by that. They were like, that's wild. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's something we've never heard before. And it's, it's right. all about crafting the story and telling it in an entertaining way. And I think that built a lot of interest in the, uh, the interview. Exactly. And, and as always, you know, we're, we're building a story here, uh, the story this time about this episode here and to help us uh, build a story is Chris. Chris, thank you for joining us. Greg, thank you so much for having me. And, and I got to admit, I'm, I'm trying to be quiet behind the scenes. I'm loving, you know, Greg's story about 
you know, the pinball interview, you, know, you think about you walk by the um, street and, and people are quiet and, and you have no idea what their, their histories are. And then when you get to sit down and have a cup of coffee or hear them on a podcast and you find out, oh my gosh, they have this incredible wealth of experience in life. And it's just, it's great. So I never thought I'd get excited about a pickleball story, but, but great. <laughs> so that's what a great way to start our conversation. Yeah. yeah right? right. Isn't it true that everybody kind of has a story? And it's just a matter of crafting it and figuring out how to how to get that message out there, right? Yeah. I, I mean, how many times have you talked to somebody and they're like, oh, I'm not that interesting or oh, I'm kind of boring or whatever. And I, I appreciate the humility that, that that implies about somebody. But at the same time, when we start to believe that and we truly think that we aren't interesting or that, you know, from a mm-hmm. business perspective, that, you know, we, we, our product, our service or whatever it is that we're doing or we offer the market isn't that great. Then you know it it kind of gets to the sad place where where it's like come on you're awesome let's let's talk about that let's see what you're doing and and it's just it's it's a great way to work with people I I, I that's part of my world as a marketer and um I, it's it's probably the most rewarding part of my life um, just getting people excited and um I, I was sharing with Greg before we got started I, I had a conversation recently with a client and they were talking about themselves and they were like yeah, this is what we do and blah 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 and I said well why do you do it and they paused and then their eyes, they got this far off look in their eyes and they started talking about why they got into the industry and what it was that, that got them up every morning. And, you know, it was almost like, you know, the flags waving in the background and the battle hymn of the Republic starts to play. And <laughs> they were poets. And I, I just sat there and, and I was taking all these notes, not saying a word because I didn't want to interrupt their flow. And, and, I see that time and again that we, we tend to, to maybe lessen ourselves a little bit and and to to be humble or deprecate or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, people when you remind them about just how cool they are and the stuff they're doing, it's just amazing. So keep doing your pickleball, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, you know, and I, I think too, um when I think about like my my business, right? There was the business story. And and you just said, you know, there's there's bands playing in the background and whatnot. That's what I felt when I was selling my company, when I was, you know, like selling it to, to customers. Like yeah. I got passionate about the story that I was telling about why I'm doing this company, like why I started this business and what I'm going to do for them because of all of that. And like that passion um, would come across and I would, you know, generally close the deal. Like, I, I mean, I had like an amazing close rate because I was telling the story and because I was so passionate about it, because I believed in it. And it's um, interesting to me. It's like, and, and I guess I'm kind of fast forwarding to the, the end here, uh, the, the end game, not the, not the start of this, but that's what I sold. I say that I sold the brand. I say that I sold the software that I created for it or, you know, the, the customer list, but no, it's really, it's the story of the business and that's recognized. And that's the business is still running. The story is a little bit different now, but the yeah. origins of it still remain the same and it's out there. So like a story is, is very, very valuable to, uh, to the business. And it's something, it's an asset really when, when you look at it that way. You're absolutely right. Um, I wish I had your wisdom, Russ, because I, when I started off as a consultant, you know, I, I'd had, I'd, I'd done the corporate world. I'd done W2 roles. I'd done the internet startup thing. So I had lots of history and runway behind me. But when I finally hung my shingle out and said, hey, I, I want to go out and I want to serve others. Um, I had one client, we were having success and I'm like, all right, time to build this now. And I, and I, and I sat 
down at a, a local coffee shop and I'm talking to this gentleman and no expectation that this is a sales call. This is me just networking, right? Just people meeting people. And this guy, Bob says, so, so Chris, tell me what you do. And I remember in my head, I'm thinking, uh, elevator pitch time. Here's my 30 second spiel. And, and another part of my head's like, no, tell me what you're doing. And I ended up for about I don't know, 60 seconds describing the work and the success I'd been having with this first client. And um, when I finished, Bob looks at me and he goes, we could use that. Would you be interested in talking to us as maybe a client, taking us on as a client? And guys, I, I think it was kind of the, the deer in the headlights. In my head, I'm like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> like, <laughs> I started to realize at that point, I'm like, you were selling, you were carrying people along on the story and the journey and the, the excitement and the enthusiasm yeah. and the fun we were having was infectious. So that is something that I, I, I dumb lucked into early on in my, my journey. And it's something mm -hmm. I take to my clients. I'm like, you know, tell me your story. Oh, we don't have an interesting story. I'm like, no, you do. Start telling me about this. And, and thankfully, everybody I've worked with has, has suffered the fool enough with me that they're like, okay, fine. And as soon as you get to talk and as soon as you start to tap into that, that vein of, of passion, man, just, it's, it's just, it's magical. Their oh, eyes, yeah. like, and then, you know, you're yeah. on to, so just like you saw, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. You did good. I think, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta fill the audience in a little bit on Russ's story because he said, you know, the band's playing behind him and stuff like that. It, it's, it's literal. I mean, he was in the entertainment business. He was thinking this <laughs> while a band it was, was actually playing bands. behind him. It was real music being played. I can't, I can't believe he could think. Uh, <laughs> this know, is true there were there were bands there were plenty it was of real bands going i mean it was it was live music as he was having these thoughts and and selling his company this amazing guy uh <laughs> you know chris as i'm hearing he tell the story and i'm going you know there's something here and i think i'm thinking of my business right now and we're getting more and more into video right how do we take advantage of you know everybody's going video for their marketing um, and I, it's smart because you can tell a story even better if it's done properly, you know, through yeah. video. And I'm thinking about like your experience talking that 60 seconds, like if you could put that on video and talk case studies, really well done case studies of not just your experience, but the client's experience in working with you, put yeah. all of that together in your marketing. I think that's super powerful. And I'm trying to figure out the right way to do that in my business right now. Uh, Greg, that's a really great insight. Uh I have a friend here, I'm in the Midwest, I'm in kind of the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio region. And literally two days ago, a friend of mine, we do, a, as a way to give back, we do a, a speaker series that anybody's welcome to come and attend. It is in person, but but you have these experts in all these different areas. And Jesse um, is kind of a video guru. Um, I met her 10, 12 years ago, and she starts talking about exactly what you were touching on. It's like, Video is such, you know, we've known this for years, but, but, you know, pictures worth a thousand words, a video is worth a million. Mm -hmm. And one of her themes was, you know, to try to do as much as you can to capture things on video. And then her other theme was, and make sure you're thinking about ways to repurpose it. And um, so my hat's off to Jesse, because even, even being, again, been around for a little while, I'm sitting there taking all these notes as she's talking. And I filled a couple of pages just with, that's a great idea. And I should take this to a client. She even shared a story of a, there's a, a local children's hospital that is you know, very successful, et cetera. And they were trying to celebrate their employees. 
And she said what they wanted to do was to, to focus on the real people, the real nurses, the real you know assistants and everybody. And they brought them in. And these aren't paid actors. They're not comfortable in front of the camera. And she showed us the clip that they produced with these, these people. And she's like, it was, it was gold. Um, because mm -hmm. what they did is they allowed these folks to come along and they presented their real selves. And they were having fun and they were energetic and enthusiastic. And she's like, and then exactly to your point, Russ, we started using this on social media. It is out on their website. It's on their recruiting website yeah. and all these places. And the video just, she's like, it's going through the roof. People just keep so excited about it. So, yeah. See, Greg, Greg, oh, Greg started. Greg started using video, and the phone and is look, ringing off the hook. Colin, as you can hear. <laughs> I can't stop them. I can't stop them. They just one after another. Pride. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, yeah, you know, I I was uh, I, I was just and I I I really wish I had the title of the book because I'd love to plug it because it's very interesting. But I'm reading a book about positioning. And I'm sort of like, uh, you know, like thinking, okay, well, you know, if you don't define your position and you don't define it in an easy way, and, and I'm just going to say, we'll change the word position to story in this case. But if you don't define your story yourself and like tell that story your own way in business, then people start to figure out and just kind of connect the dots, especially nowadays, right? Like everybody needs the story. Everybody needs, you know, the information like right now they're going to start to define your story. So it, it's one of those things where I feel like you really need to jump on this early in a business um, and, and define who you are, what you are, and what that story is and perfect that story, you know, and like even build to it. Um, unfortunately, though, a lot of the times, like, you know, when you're first starting a business, like you don't know, you know, like you don't know what that story is. You're just at the beginning of your journey. So how do you sort of like, I mean, I don't know, is there like aspirational stories that you tell or is there like, this is what we want to be? Like when you're starting a business and you're just kind of defining this, how do you advise clients to, to start to define that, that story of their business? That's a great question. Um, so I'll give you a real world example. Um, actually, let me diverge just for a second. I have a call. So my mother-in-law, to your very point, um, I love my mother-in-law. She's a, a, a wonderful woman. I still married up. I love my in-laws. But my mother-in-law cannot have silence. And so she tends to fill any kind of gap with just talk. And one of the things I discovered early on in my marriage was that she would make up stories about the people walking on the street. And she's like, oh, I bet he, and then, you know, is going to the store to buy milk and, and, and bread for his three starving dogs or something. It's, it was the mm -hmm. most real thing. So to your point, I'm like, wow, when we don't have information, our brains are naturally inclined to fill that in. So I do think of my mother-in-law sometimes when I'm talking with clients where they're like, well, you know, our story is our story. I'm like, no, don't let my mother-in-law get in there. She's awesome, but don't let her tell your story. You know, you right. should find it. So I'm right with you on that. And then to answer your question specifically, um, I'll give you an example. I had a um, client over the summer and they brought me in. They're a, a startup and the, the, the owner, it's a really cool, like feel good story. The gentleman is actually came from Colombia. He was a, a, a professional that his company brought him and his entire family to the US. And about two or three years ago, he had this idea of something that he wanted to do. So he left the company, but he's like, gosh, I don't know if this is going to work. And there was no research that could help him. So he built his own system using AI and, and data scraping mo and analytics models. And he analyzed his, his idea and realized, gosh, it's not going to work. 
But then he looks at the, the analysis model that he built. And he's like, hey, this might be something. So he took it to his old company. And his old company was like, oh, yeah. So they engaged with him on a couple of projects to test out some of their ideas. And then he took it to another company. And so I met him as part of a kind of a, an incubator startup pre-accelerator program. And what he got out of that was, hey, great idea, but you're in the wrong industry. So, so pivot to something that's maybe a little bit more innovation driven. So personal health care is where he was going next. So long and the short. He sits down with me and he goes, you know, I don't really have a business yet. What I have is a series of failures where I had this idea, it didn't work. And I took it to this thing and I had a little bit of success, but it, it, it clearly I was in the wrong industry. Now I'm going to try this other thing. And what I, what I told him is I said, you have a phenomenal story. You, one, you, you're pro proving that, you know, you, you're continually innovating. Two, you know, you, you've got this idea, you, you found by maybe by a little bit of luck, but you found this functional tool that other people need. You had success with it. Now you're bringing it to another industry. I said, my friend, you are on a path to greatness here. You, you just, you're so focused on that things didn't work out exactly like you expected or that you knew what was going to happen that you're focusing on the negative, which I get, and again, it's the humility and it's the, 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 the culture that we live in. But, I'm, but as I'm telling him this, reflecting this back to him, his face is lighting up. And he's like, oh my gosh, I never looked at it that way. And I think that's true. So many of us, as we're starting out, it's like mm -hmm. typically you get into a business because you want to do something. And that isn't what you're necessarily going to do a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now. So the story mm -hmm. is allowed to evolve. In fact, it should evolve. But mm -hmm. you know, my example from a few minutes ago of I sat down for coffee with this gentleman. I had, you know, I, I was trialing the waters before I really jumped in. So I had one part-time client and I'm like, hey, I'm having success with it so i won a use case of one that i could draw upon but that was enough to right. get this job drawn in so i think you know if you're brand new then you then you do talk aspiration this is what i think can happen this is what i believe and that's pretty powerful in and of itself and then as you start to have that proof and as you start to have successes or even if you have failures you can still turn those into learning opportunities and then you invite pe people along on the journey and people then start to nod mm -hmm. and they're like makes yeah. a lot of sense so yeah it's all relationship and engaging yeah, and sometimes you know when it's a failure, it's not really a failure. It's it's just not a right fit, yeah. you know. And uh, a lot of times is trying to find the right fit. I, I was reading your story, Chris, and uh, you you tell a great story about you being brought into a company and you got assigned to a, a group of misfit toys, as you call it, right? And mm -hmm. it was a bunch of brilliant people that were really struggling at this company for whatever reason. And I think you were, you came in and, and really figured out where their strengths were and how to utilize those strengths properly. And, and, and it's not like they were probably failing until you got in there, but it's not because of effort, not because they weren't smart, intelligent, or, you know, great people. They were just kind of misassigned or, you know, not, you know, properly used and, and then identified what their fit should be. And I think that happens a lot. I, mm -hmm. I just recently saw that happen with somebody. And um, it was really unfortunate. She lost her job. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. in hearing her story, she was just misassigned. So yeah. I like, how do you go in and, and do that and, and help that company? You, you look at those situations. That, that's a really, you know, again, a powerful observation. I think you're spot on. You know, the, the, the team you're describing, I, you know, I cannot believe I was so fortunate to, to have such an amazing wealth of talent and, and, and passion and just ability gathered in one space. But 
to your point, and, and I guess really speaking to our kind of our theme, our emerging theme today is their stories weren't great. And it wasn't that they weren't good at or really good at their jobs, but it was how they were perceived. So one of the things I did as kind of the, the, the leader of this group was I tried to set them up for success, to put them in places where their talents could be clearly observed by others. So it wasn't just me going around saying, look how great they are, because that's, okay, it's, it's good. You've got the, the backing of, of you know, the leadership team, but they needed to, to, to really portray that story so that folks are like, oh, I want them on my team. I want them working on my project. Oh, they're telling me whatever it might be. I know and I can trust that. And, you know, it took some time and they themselves had to believe it. Um, but it, it was just, it was probably one of the greatest blessings of my career was to, to, to get this group. And, you know, I was one of the misfit toys as well. So it wasn't certainly me coming into the rescue, if you will. It was more of, hey, we're in this together. The company doesn't really know what to do with us, but I know what our potential is. I can see it. So part of it was a little bit of the internal storytelling to ourselves and to each other getting them to recognize the value of each other. So we all became advocates for one another. And then it was, okay, now let's go out and do good in the world. So what can we do to make a difference with these clients and who is it that we can serve and what can we do better at? And um, it, you know, it wasn't a home run every time, but oh my gosh, in a couple of years, people were like, this is a really good team. Um, and I was very fortunate to be a part of that. You know, uh, listening to that story and and if we're talking storytelling i i can't you know I, I have to bring up improv i can't go the episode without talking about improv at some point so i do improv uh and i've you know done it for a long time and i you know i've i've been sort of slacking on it lately i'll get back to it we've you know doing, doing some some weekend stuff and whatnot to uh get back into it um but storytelling is the big thing you know with improv right and if you want people to engage in a scene um you, you sort of want to structure a story with like maximum emotional impact, you know, you like you, 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 if you can get them to, you know, uh, cry, you can get them to laugh. You know, I mean, if you can get them to be concerned about the character, you can, you can get them to, you know, enjoy the scene and, and engage in it, you know, better. So I guess, you know, like, in applying that to the business story with, with improv, you've got character desire and conflict is like come up some of the big storytelling things. And it's almost like, yeah, bringing in those flaws, bringing in those problems is also bringing in because we all have flaws. We all have, you know, problems and it sort of sets up the story in an interesting way for this kind of turning point of, you know, like with, with your story, okay. You're in a, in a place of misfit toys. Right. Like, so now, you know, you, you've got this like kind of major setback, you're believing all is lost. And then all of a sudden you flip it around and, and now, you know, you're doing this business and you're doing, you know, or, you know, like there's this big change. So I, I think like those kind of story arcs are actually kind of interesting and, and can be more of even a, a benefit than a, than a problem. It's just in all in how you look at it. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I did a, a talk about a month or two months ago, and it was to a group of folks that found themselves in transition. and. You, you can describe it in a little bit different ways, but I said, look, you guys, basic stories, you know, there's a catalyst, there's the journey and there's the transformation. So your catalyst is you lost your job. You are on the journey now and you will be transformed, have confidence. You know, mm -hmm. I, I wish exactly when, but it's going to happen. Right. And right. what we talked about was, Hey, you know, it was, it was going back to our earlier point of you can't always control how people 
view your story, but you can influence, you can tell it. How they, they take it in, how they, they process it, that's up to each of us individually, but you have a lot of control about how this, this comes across. So if you're angry or if you're a hangdog or if you're whatever it is, it's going to come across. But if you're, hey, this happened and I understand why it happened and I support why it happened. It's, you know, it was the right thing for the business. And I am so mm-hmm. excited about this next opportunity. And my point to, the, to this group was you, that will come across. And yeah. it's really, you know, I was humbled to the people that I'd spoken to reached out to me that afternoon and said, can we talk to you some more? And one lady in particular, uh, she needs story. And she's like, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this. And I was actually able to connect her with an opportunity. And I'm like, you're going to do fine. You, you've got this down. Um, there was another person in the, in the group that as we spoke, she's like, I don't think I'm ready to go out and interview yet because I'm still too angry. And I'm like, I'm so sorry to hear that. But at the same time, I'm really glad you recognize that because it probably is causing it's, it's being picked up on how you're, you're presenting. And so maybe it's causing some delays and you're being accepted as a candidate. So, and I think having that level of self-awareness, recognizing this is a journey that you're on, but ultimately you're trying to tell one that you know, we all love a happy ending. How do you t- convey that, that happy ending? How do you get mm-hmm. that person to say, yep, I, I, I'm, I'm on this journey. I know where I'm going and, and come along with me. It's great. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you're, if there's a gentleman in Tennessee, Donald Miller, story brand. Um, he d- does just a really amazing job with this. And so a quick plug for his book and his model. But one of the things I really loved about his stuff when I first read it was he talks about how as marketers, we often make the mistake that we think we or our product, you know, that's the hero of the story. And we're like, hey, look how great this is and how, you know, fill in the blank, um, all the facts and details and stats. But what we often forget then is the it's the client, it's the customer who's really the hero because they're 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 across us and our product or service. And yeah. the question is, can we help them? defeat whatever it is they're against. He uses the analogy of Star Wars, where he's like, hey, we all, we all tend to think we're Luke Skywalker or Princess Leia or Han Solo. Because the reality is, as marketers, we are Yoda. We're, we're Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're the ones with the plan that will help <laughs> the customer succeed. So I, that, right. I've, I've put that into a lot of the conversations I've had with clients or you know, people in transition. Be yeah. part of the story and help the others and see how you can help them. Yeah. Right. Hey, hey, Russ, are you Yoda or are you Obi-Wan? I'm baby Yoda. You're baby Yoda. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're the, I forget the guy's name, the Mandalorian. Uh, pushing I'm the me Mandalorian. Around. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm Bo- <laughs> Boba Fett. I'm Boba Fett. Okay, that's cool. You know, Chris, when I, when I hear, you know, this conversation that we're having, there's so many times where you turn the negative into a positive or you you see it and, and you make other people aware of, of the positive and, and, um, it just seems like you have a super optimistic view or you bring in a super optimistic view of situations and, and you, you know, make other people aware that there is a brighter side to this and we can turn this into, you know, go in the right direction. Is that something that you work on? Is that just natural for you? Where does that optimism come from? That's a really, that's a deep and philosophical question, Greg. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't know you got on a, a philosophy podcast today, did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's thank you for that. Um, I, I do view the world this way. Um, in fact, I also recognize it can be pretty obnoxious to some people, especially my poor wife, um, has to live with somebody like this. But, um, 
you know, it's, it's, I had a joke when I was in college. Um, I think this really started to take root for me and this, this kind of look outlook on the world. And, um, you know, they always say the glass is half full or half empty. And I was like, well, not only is the glass half full, but you get half a cup of air too. And it's just, you know, the face, <laughs> palm, you're like, seriously, Chris, but what I've learned in my career is, you know, there's always going to be setbacks and there's always failings and there's always, you know, there's bad in the world. There's bad that's going to happen to us. And, and, and I don't lessen that, but I, I, I think, you know, been around enough time or long enough time that I, I start to gain, I guess, maybe hopefully a little perspective and there's always a lesson to be learned or um, something that there's an opportunity that's going to present itself. Um, I had a situation, I'll give you early in my career, uh, it was with this internet startup and you know, we were small and this was before internet was really a big thing and, and, and aware. So we were back in the 90s and the company I was working for, we had had really good success with this product, the service that they offered, but the numbers were trending down and we, we needed to find kind of the next big hit. And so me and my, my young team, I think I was the old guy at 27, 26, 27, <laughs> we were tasked holding out this new product. So we go, I go into the president and I said, okay, you know, we're a multi-million dollar sales company at this point. So we went in and we said, we needed $100,000 to roll this out, to meet the objectives, blah, blah, blah. The president um, was very fine, fiscally disciplined. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, okay. And he no chance. He goes, I'll, I'll give you 10,000. So basically 10 cents on the dollar. And I, I, and I was too young, naive, whatever. I, I tried to make the case I was not successful. So I go back to my team and I'm like, okay, good news, bad news. Um, bad news is we didn't get the $100,000. And probably the bad news is we only get 10. But, and then their faces just fell. And all this research we had done and the excitement they had over the plans we put together and, and the success we envisioned died. And I'm like, okay, so you're the leader. What are you going to do about this, Chris? And um, about a half hour later, I called them together and I said, okay, indulge me on this, please. And they looked at me weird. I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. We're now one year in the future. Um, and boy, you remember it's, it was a year ago today that, that we got the bad news about our budget, like, you know, 10 cents on the dollar. And I remember how awful we all felt that day, but Man, year now in the future, we successfully launched the product and we we surprised everybody and blah, blah, blah. I'm having an old man moment though. I forgot how we did it. Can you guys remind me? And God bless them. <laughs> Every one of them was like, they rolled their eyes and they said, okay. And then we started brainstorming. And all of a sudden we started getting super creative about, okay, well, what if we did this? And what if we did this? And we ultimately had a really successful launch. We, we changed tactics. We decided to go after more media coverage and, and, and press awareness and drive that way rather than doing ad spends. But we ended up getting like three articles and three major trade publications. The product launched successfully. And um, again, that was a really powerful lesson for young Chris to look back and be like, even at my lowest points, um, there is an opportunity that if you look for it, if you're open to it, chances are you're going to find it. So if you're focusing on the negative, you're going to find the negative. If you're, if you're expecting or anticipating the positive, you're eventually going to find it. You just have to be open to it. And so I think that just feeds into me then. So Greg, as you asked that question, that's kind of what I flash back to of, gosh, yeah. you know, if you, if, you, if you look for it, you're going to find it, whether it's good or it's the bad. So I tend to, to gravitate towards the good because it makes life better. And it's frankly a lot more fun. So. Mm-hmm. 
So true. Oh yeah. Hear that, or is that a bunch of BS? And you're like, oh gosh. No, I'm with you on that. Yeah, same here. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's um, it's funny too. Like, I feel like, um, the the referring back to the bands. I think a, a lot of the the bands, you know, playing in the background was my optimism for the company that was coming through too, because people want to know that that company is going to be around, especially, you know, I mean, it was an event, an entertainment company, you know, I'm booking out an event a year in advance or whatever, and they want to know that I'm still going to be there. And so my optimism would come through my, my optimism for the company, I think, you know, was, was always there. Um, except like, you know, after like, I don't know, 50 gigs in a row when I was like really tired, but for the most part, uh, it was there and it would shine through. And, and I think that's what, what helped me to, uh, advance the, the business as much as I did. Um, well, and also you are authentic, right? Yeah. None of this is manufactured. When the three of us talk about optimism, it's not manufactured. It's how we truly feel when that comes right. across, then you, then it's powerful. Right. Right. And I, I guess, you know, like there's, and, and you, you like totally just drove me into the right direction, uh, Boba Fett there. Um, because my, my question goes to like, there, we've talked about this on the show is like, um, uh, and now I'm, I'm having a, an, uh, a moment. Um, but you know, uh, when often, you know, there's like that imposter syndrome, there we go. Got it. That happens. And you don't, like, it's almost like, well, you know, like, should I be optimistic about this? Like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next year. Or, you know, I don't like, I don't know what I'm doing in running this business. I don't know what I'm like. I, I don't know how to talk to a client. I don't know how to sell, a, you know, sell this thing. I don't know how to do these things. And I'm not the best at what I do, or I'm not the, like, so much of that is hitting you. And, and those are the voices in so many people's heads um, that are pushing back and that's coming through instead of the optimism. Like, how do you, how, how do you advise clients to shift past that and, and get, get past that? Or, or is this, is this just a, just a, you know, like a hurdle that, that, that's impossible to, to jump through. So, so the optimist in me believes that it can be, but yeah. I thought you would say that. <laughs> that um, yeah. The challenge that you face, you know, I, I have had friends who have had mental health challenges and, you know, optimistic Chris isn't going to make them get better. I mean, hopefully right. I can be supportive and help them as they go on their journey, but there may be some things that really need to be addressed first. But if it's the confidence thing and simply like, hey, I haven't done this um, enough or I don't know what I'm doing or whatever. Um, it's funny. I see people fall into two camps. They either are, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't care. And then they go off and try to figure it out. And, and those are fun people to be with and to follow. Or there's the other people. It's like, I don't know what I, I'm doing, so I'm not going to try. And I've lived in both worlds. I, 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 I'm familiar with both. I understand and I appreciate both of those. But it, it, looking back on my life, I'm like, I have far more fun when it's like, you know what? It's okay. Because I think where a lot of that stems from is you, you, you we, we always measure ourselves up against somebody else. And yeah. I finally reached the point where it's like, gosh, I mean, here I am on, on a podcast with two other incredibly successful marketers. I will admit when you say, Chris, come be on our show. I'm like, what am I going to talk about with these two? Because you both <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, but but then at the same time, it's like, but we each have our stories are are unique, and we can collectively, you know, share insights, make each other smarter, have more experience. Um, I'll offer one quick example. There is a a group. Um, I won't plug them, but but there there is a, I think they're national. And what they, they are primarily are designed for CEOs to join and to, to be a part of this. And I've had a nice opportunity to meet a few people who facilitate this group and cost a you know, decent chunk of change. I think it's like ten or $15,000 a year just to be in this, this, this study group, for lack of a better term. And I asked one of these um, moderators, facilitators, I said, boy, you know, it must be like ego central when you have all these 10 or 15 CEOs in a room and like, oh, I'm this and I'm this and I've done all this. And she surprised me. She's like, it's the exact opposite. Um, they have to have that persona when they're in front of their companies, when they're talking to their teams. You know, you need the leader to be confident and to, and to at least project that they know where they're going. Instead, what, what happens is when they're amongst others who are in a similar role, suddenly they can let go of that and they can express their doubts and their fears and their, their uncertainties. And that was incredibly powerful for me to hear because I'm thinking, gosh, I, I've been in the room. I've been in the seat where I've, I've watched the CEO talk and she's going on about this or he's talking about this. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then to realize, man, they're just, they're just human beings. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they have their yeah. uncertainties and their, their doubts is just like I do. They may be just mm -hmm. a little bit of hiding them. Or they're like that first person's like, but I don't care. We're going to try this and see what happens. And then we're going to get smarter. Um, right. So. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the good CEOs, in my opinion, you know, they do have that leadership ability, right? So they're conveying their conviction for their, you know, their product, their company, whatever they're doing, their service. But the good CEOs also have the, the want to learn. And, yeah. and, and, and the reason they're part of this group is they want to learn from other CEOs. And, you know, it's not like I have all the answers. I'm the smartest guy in the room. I can be a great leader, but mm -hmm. I can also, you know, figure out stuff and learn more about how to do things better. And I think those are the CEOs that really can move their uh, company forward and innovate more because they're open to that, you know, mm -hmm. and they're seeking it. And, uh, you know, I think that's super important for CEOs to keep in mind as, as they evolve their company. Yeah. That's a great point. I, I think the worst, I, I won't even say CEO, I'll say leaders. I think some of the, the, the most challenging leaders are the ones that think they have to be the smartest one in the room. Yeah. The ones I've enjoyed working for and the ones I've learned the most from are the ones who value and saying, I'm not an expert in this. You are points around the room. But together, my job is to, to lead us, to help make a decision, whatever it might be not to have all the answers. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you, Greg, you're right on. I think it's a, you know, a, a thing I've always like, that I think of in my mind is like, there's always a first person to do something and, yeah. and they had no idea what they were doing. They just did it. <laughs> you know, it just happened. They figured it out and they did it. And it's like, if you can sort of look at these different things and, and, you know, you look at the CEOs of the big companies, right. They, they make mistakes, right. They, they screw yeah. up. They they change it from Twitter to X. They you know they, they do things. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they do weird things. Like I mean, look at look at like Elon. I mean, right? He's he's done a great job with Tesla. He did a great job with the solar company. He did a great job at PayPal. Eh, you know what's going on with Twitter, right? Like it's it's yeah. the valuation is like I don't even know a tenth of what it was, mm -hmm. but like he's figuring it out and he's just trying it and he's just trying to you know move on. And for me, like that's sort of like, okay, well, 
you know, you can't just take the plan that you did at one place and do it somewhere else. You've got to learn and you've got to experiment. You got to try, you got to do different things. And that's just what you do. And it's like, um, with the, you know, the, the way I've kind of got it past, like the imposter syndrome thing is, well, you know what, I, I may not be the best, but I'm going to try the best. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to work harder to, to like overcome the, whatever obstacles I come across. And if I can promise that I'm going to do my best and try to go down that path of the best promise that to myself, then it gets me past some of that stuff, you know, and it gets me like to a point of where, you know what, I can do this. I can, I can start a new business or I can run a new company or I can, you know, launch a new product or do some, you know, whatever, write up on social media or come up with a story for a company because, well, I'm going to do my best at it. I'm going to do whatever I can. And and if it doesn't work, well then guess what? I just learned something. So either way I win, <laughs> I guess that's my way of being optimistic. <laughs> Greg, what's your great insight? Yeah, I think it's 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 you have to internalize like where you're at and understand what motivates you, um, and it, it's different for different people. You know, it's it's and it, and I think it's one of those things in 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 kind of learning your story, Chris, is that one of your gifts are is like you take the time to listen and figure out each person has their own motivation and how do I work with that person? Um, and, and that's kind of been my philosophy as well. So I knew in, in, in prepping for this uh, conversation that we kind of like minds in that sense where, you know, I'm not, you know, one style fits all, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to talk to somebody a, a certain way to kind of help them. I'm going to talk to a different person, a different way to help them. And then, you know, I'm also going to, you know, figure out how do I help myself in different ways. So, you know, it, th that's kind of my takeaway yeah. from you know, what we're talking about. Oh, very good. Um, to do a really weird tangent for a second, but one of the, the I, I used to read more when I was younger and had more time, but one of the genres I loved was historical fiction. So it, it, mm. it takes a point in time and says, well, what if something different happened? So I always enjoy the what if questions. It, it serves me well in the, my business, but what I really appreciated about this, what it taught me was the typically the author really researched the, the period of time that whatever had happened, Civil War, if it, you know, Lee won and, and, and the South had won the war, whatever it might be. But they do a really nice job of researching. And what they do is they bring these historical figures to life. And then oftentimes you're inside of their heads because it's like, you know, what if I did this or what if this happened? And the point I'm ultimately getting at is this started to make history come alive. And when I look back and I say, gosh, you know, of course the Americans are going to win, the, you know, the Revolutionary War. Of course the Allies are going to win World War II. The reality is in that point in time, they didn't know this. They, that wasn't a for certain. They had their doubts. They had their uncertainties. They were making decisions and, and hoping for the best. And, and we tend to, at least I tend to, look back at those and be like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. Of course they're going to be successful. Of course this is going to happen. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? They're real people. I mean, it echoes the comment earlier yeah. about real people that had real decisions, that had uncertainty, stayed up late at night, just scared out of the minds that they were going to make a mistake. And, and while I empathize and have a greater empathy for what our, our, our forebears did, it also gives me some comfort to say, well, gosh, I'm thinking about my business. I'm trying to grow it. Or am I serving my clients? It, it, Russ, it's just like you said, I may, I may make a mistake, but they're going to get my absolute best effort. And mm -hmm. 
I keep at it, we're eventually going to solve this and we're going to be smarter because of it. Yeah, totally. And mistakes are going to happen. Both Greg and, and my phone rang during this and we're like, eh, whatever. We're just rolling it's with it. It's a good time. It's a good time <laughs> where the three of us get together. Business is flowing. Come on. Exactly. Things are <laughs> happening. <laughs> well, Chris, uh, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say I should unmute my phone so we can see if it rings as well. Exactly, right? Let's it, let's make it, it all happen. You, you have five messages <laughs> waiting for you right now. Well, my see, my phone is supposed to mute whenever I have a podcast on that particular calendar. It just mutes my phone for some reason. That didn't happen today. So what are you going to do? I got I got two spam calls. <laughs> I'm so uh, so, uh, Chris, uh, if somebody, you know, wanted to reach out to you and, um, you know, bring in for some help, uh, with their business, uh, how do they do so? Easiest way, um, emails can be the easiest. So just do Chris, C-H-R-I-S at C-D-C-G.us, Bay DM Consulting Group.us. So what is that? Okay. Eight, 13 letters. Chris at C-D-G-C-G.us. Okay. All right. Well, we'll put it on the screen there, back there so that, uh, People, uh, people see it and and can uh, reach out to you. Thank you. I mean, this is such a fun conversation. I, I it's like th this one should be one of our like the infamous two parters. We haven't done one of those in a long time. But I could just continue, uh, continue the story uh, with you here and and, and keep chatting oh. with you. So thank well, you so much for joining us. At some point down the road, I would welcome that. I truly enjoyed the time, guys. Thanks so much for having me on, and thanks for sharing your stories. Um, I, I feel like I know you better now. So and I look forward nice, to the nice, very yes. good. Pickleball. Yeah, you got to pickleball. check out the Pickleball Three Podcast. <laughs> exactly. Third It'll shot podcast. Up. I got a paddle for you. <laughs> he's, he's got all kinds of paddles. Yeah. <laughs> pickleball paddles. I, I should Thank don't you. know. I should, yeah. I, I <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, for subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business, wherever you get your podcasts. And also, you could see us goofing around and me pushing buttons uh, on uh, YouTube if you check us out over there and uh, subscribe over there. Hit the little bell thing and you'll get every new episode. We come out with new episodes every other week. We skip certain holidays. So, you know, there you go. You you get like, I don't know, 20, 25 of us or so a year. So uh, make sure you don't miss any of those episodes by subscribing on whatever platform uh, you're listening on or watching on right now. Uh, if you would like to be a guest on the show, just head over to DIYforbusiness.com and you can join Greg and I and we can chit chat and learn about your story here on right. DIY for Business. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to DIY for Business, where you are not alone. Mm -hmm.